Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. We have two passages of scripture this morning, and our first passage today comes from Proverbs 17, verses 9 and 17. Listen for what God has to say to you. One who forgives an affront fosters friendship. But one who dwells on disputes will alienate a friend. A friend loves at all times, and kinsfolk are born to share adversity. Our second passage today comes from John 15, verses 12 through 17, and the speaker of this passage is Jesus. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I'm giving you these commandments so that you may love one another. May God add a blessing to the hearing and living out of this scripture. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the gift that it is to come together to kind of still the, the chaos maybe in our spirits, the, the to-do lists that seem unending to um, set aside those things that crowd our minds and prevent us from really meditating on who it is that you are and what it is that you're trying to do within us. Clear away the clutter of our minds so that we might be present in this moment to hear what it is that you have to say to us, to teach to us, to challenge us with that we might continue to grow into those people that you have created and called us to be. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I've shared with many of you that um, when I was in college, I lived in an intentional Christian community. And coming from a non-religious and emotionally fractured household, there was a lot that I hadn't really experienced or understood about what community really was. It was in these communities where I experienced the kind of relational accountability to others that went beyond being just like a good roommate, right? It wasn't just about keeping communal spaces clean, paying my rent on time, or keeping the music down after a certain hour. Uh, there was something more. The experience of deep caring for one another that took shape in many ways, from being called in when I was too wrapped up in my schoolwork to being called out when I said hurtful things to people. It has happened from time to time. I was held with the fullness of who I was and all that I brought as I journeyed with others in ways that are only possible, I think, when it's done in a community of shared values. 
formally or informally. And so I wasn't ready for what I would experience when I made a choice to step out of that community. I shared a little bit about that last week, but it was a choice for self-discovery and a necessary step for self-differentiation. But uh, what I didn't know was that until I made that choice was how hard it was to make friends as an adult. And perhaps even more than that, how hard it is to make friends like that, right? Who are invested in you and who you are invested in, who will journey with you when you're not your best self and love you and trust you enough uh, when to listen and, and that you love and trust enough to listen to them when they call you out on it, right? Friends like these are not easy to come by, which is why we're beginning this new series on friendship. What is friendship? How do you do it? Where do you find it? Is anybody out there? Of course, we're talking about friendship as it is shaped by our faith. So there's a specific kind of um, texture to that. What does Christian friendship look like? Our passage in Proverbs this morning kind of sketches it out, um, and Jesus describes it uh, even more fully in John 15. For Jesus, the primary character of friendship is love. That's the first kind of overarching umbrella um, of the whole enterprise. And if you know anything about Jesus-shaped love, you'll know that it is generous and abundant, and it is characterized by very specific behaviors. For Jesus, this friend love, or philos in Greek, finds expression in five ways in this passage. First is commitment. Jesus says, you are my friend if you will do what I command of you. All throughout his ministry, Jesus was asking his friends, the disciples, to show up, to have skin in the game, to be dependable whether it was to journey with him as he traveled throughout um, the Near East to, to preach or, or, or that they would go out two by two. He could trust in them um, to preach on their own. For Jesus, the ones that he called friends were with him in the easy work and in the hard work. They were committed. The second is transparency. Even though he was Jesus uh, the, with a direct line to God and all, he never let his status impede the friendship. In fact, as much as he's able, he gives up his status. He says, I don't call you servants any longer. Instead, I call you friends. And because he isn't their master, because he isn't their boss, he chooses to be vulnerable. There are no secrets, Jesus says. Servants don't know what their master is doing. But everything I hear from my father, I will, be make, I will make known to you. Even though it was well within his power, Jesus chose not to sit in a place of superiority over his disciples. He chose instead to invite them as equals in his work. And this brings me to the third expression of philos that Jesus lifts up, which is choice. Now, I did a little poll on Facebook to ask my friends in my network how they distinguish between colleagues or acquaintances or friends. And twice, the term chosen family came up. Jesus tells the disciples, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Friendship, in many ways, is a choice that we make. Sometimes it falls in our laps to begin with, right? There's circumstantial meeting, or you get assigned to uh, the same class or same kind of office space. But however the relationship begins, it is cultivated and grows because of the choices that we make. Whether or not we're going to invest, whether or not we're going to commit or be transparent or vulnerable, these are a choice. Whether or not we're going to show up for one another. 
friendship is a series of choices. And so when we choose to enter into that deeper commitment um, and that deeper kind of relationship with others, we're also choosing to open ourselves to a kind of correction and formation that comes with it, right? When we bump up against one another and realize, like, I don't have that same thought. Like, where'd you get that from? Or you're getting, you know, you, you're not looking at this thing. This means that we kind of end up opening ourselves to a certain form of accountability, right? Um, which is the, the fourth character um, of friendship. One of the things that I think um, was really interesting was that a respondent on my very official Facebook poll mentioned that there had to be some kind of reciprocity, right? Some kind of behavior that showed that the other person was committed, at least as committed as they were in this whole thing. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. And that comes with a set of expectations because he goes on to say, so that you would produce fruit and so that that fruit would last. There's an expectation about what that friendship would do, what it would produce, a kind of long-lasting fruit. Now, this whole relationship, this friendship, it really can only unfold over time, right? As people journey together, as they experience life together, and they navigate all the complexities that come up. And as the, the philos takes root and grows deeply, there are these benefits that emerge. And it's the benefits, I think, that really kind of keep us. And that's really actually what attracts us in a lot of ways. Because let's be honest, most of us are not in friendship so that we can grow personally, right? Or at least that's not the most attractive reason. Personal growth often means we have to, like, grow, right? And growth is hard. <laughs> growth is unpleasant. Growth often confronts us with our limitations, our blind spots, our, our general less-than-awesomeness aspects. But of course, growth and friendship, like any relationship, if you can get through those seasons of growth together, you can experience a kind of reward that you actually couldn't get without it, right? That's kind of the catch-22 of it. Rewards are the fifth expression of friendship um, in this passage um, of Jesus's talk with his friends. Rewards. So in high school, for me, that reward took the form of access to advanced movie screenings generously offered by a good friend who worked at the movie theater, right? Uh, for Jesus, friendship afforded an even more valuable kind of access. Whatever you ask uh, the Father in my name, he will give you, right? There's this, there's this term that I learned about in Chinese called guangqi, which is like a connect, right? Like you have a friend who's got the cred to get you the hookup, right? Like in a lot of ways, like that's a little bit of what Jesus is talking about. When you're my friend, I got the guangxi, right? Like, I got the connect for you, right? Um, access to the God of creation is a pretty good reward, I think. Don't you think? <laughs> but lest we forget, Jesus reminds us that at the end of this whole sketch of friendship, the container in which all of this exists is love. Love that comes from God, passed through Jesus, and multiplied among friends. And it's this love, I think, that is important to unpack for a moment because friendship love, I think, sometimes gets a little, like, underappreciated in our culture. In fact, I think a lot of our friend love energy um, gets projected onto our romantic love imagination. Now, more than ever, there's an intense expectation that my romantic love partner must fulfill not only my romantic needs, but also the fullness of my friendship needs. And this is a lot to expect of any one person, which is why most of us, at one point or another, find ourselves disappointed by our partners and maybe even a little lonely in our partnerships. I mean, not me, right? Uh, but, you know, other people. My husband's in the back, so, you know. Um, but I think that the underlying longing is... <laughs> okay, we can have that conversation later, all right? Um, 
But so sometimes it's hard, right? And part of it is we have these huge expectations. We have this underlying longing, right, that we want someone who will commit to us deeply, who will, in a way, make that same kind of covenantal commitment to be there and sickness and in health and for richer, for poorer, till death do us part, that that kind of commitment in our culture generally can only show up when people choose to be married to one another. But did you know that deep covenantal commitment between friends is also possible? Now, I was going to talk about Anne and Diana in Anne of Green Gables, but I think only about three of you will know what I'm talking about. So, so I decided to stick with scripture. So there's Jonathan's commitment to David, whose love for one another may or may not have been romantic. There's some, lots of papers that have been written about that, but it's absolutely distinct in its depth and commitment. There's no other portrayal of love um, between two men like, like between Jonathan and David. So here's the passage where they kind of make this commitment. As soon as David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan's life became bound up with David's life, and Jonathan loved David as much as himself. And Jonathan and David made a covenant together because Jonathan loved David as much as himself. They made a promise. I will be with you. But then, and then there's also Ruth's love for Naomi. Ruth replied uh, in, in the first chapter of Ruth, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and I will be buried there. These kinds of vows, this kind of love, rivals even wedding vows and romantic love in a lot of ways. And this is the kind of love that Jesus tried to cultivate among his friends. It's the kind of love that, and commitment that Jesus had in mind when he told the disciples to produce long-lasting fruit, fruit that comes from a relationship that exists over time, where people are there with one another. They grow together. And because the church was born after Jesus' ministry on earth, as it grew in shape and quality, it came up with its own version of love and commitment, kind of formalizing it, I think, that people make to one another. A love and commitment that is as Jesus talked, born of God's love. And this, I think, is a part of what baptism is about. Because we don't get baptized in isolation. We are baptized in community, right? When we baptize at UVC, we ask a series of questions of the person being baptized. Questions like, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you? And do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior? We ask these questions to the baptizee because they are making a commitment to accept God's love, God's claim on their life, and whatever that demands of them. But then, if you've stuck around, you might have noticed that we also ask questions of the baptizing community. We ask these questions of you. Two questions. First, do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and commitment to Christ? Do Remember, are we doing this thing together? Are we, do we have this shared values? But also, will you partner with and nurture this person in the Christian faith and life, being a sister or brother in faith? And that second question, that's a vow. That's a commitment. Now, it doesn't have quite the same passion as where you go, I will go, right? Where you stay, I will stay. But there's a kind of intentionality about what's happening here in this relationship. And this is important for us, for us as a church community and as a church community that lives its life in the world, right? Because too many people are feeling alone in this world. Too many people are experiencing isolation. Too many people have given up the hope of a real friendship, have given up 
on trying to build real friendships with others. And now we'll unpack the reasons for this in the weeks to come, but for today, let's just pay attention to the fact that Jesus lifts up this kind of philos as the highest form of love. No one has greater love than this, but to lay one's life down for their friends. Sorry, Whitney. Jesus said, this is the greatest love of all. (laughs) (laughs) To have friends who are willing to stand with you, right? To have friends that you're willing to stand with in times of joy and in times of pain, that is a great kind of love. And it feels like it diminishes the older we get. Now, a few days ago, I learned about an incident that happened at a sports event 15 years ago. And yes, I just heard about it because you all know about my love affair with sports. 15 years ago, during the NBA playoff games between uh, Portland and Dallas, Maurice Cheeks, who at the time anyway was the coach of the Portland Trailblazers, did something really tremendous. During a game when he was surely full of nerves, or at least adrenaline, right, a 13-year-old girl named Natalie Gilbert stood up to sing the national anthem. Now, she was the winner of a contest. She had gotten a special dress for the occasion, and when she was introduced, she stepped up to the mic. Please welcome, as voted by you, the fans, our winner of the Toyota Get the Feeling of a Star promotion, Natalie Gilbert. So proudly we hailed at the stars at start. Stars like last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through. that video, as I was thinking about this new sermon series on friendship, I thought to myself, I bet that guy is a really good friend, right? (laughs) There he was, focused on getting his team to the center of the bracket, but not so focused that he misses a moment to step up and stand with someone in a moment of great fear and embarrassment. Can you imagine what he would do for someone he actually knew and loved, right? (laughs) Now, I don't know if Maurice is a Christian or even a person of faith, but, but that right there, that's a scripture verse, right? This kind of compassion and this kind of companioning, 
especially in tough times, willing to lay your life down for one another, to stand with someone in their pain, to join them in their public humiliation, that is a high kind of love. It wasn't like Maurice is a good singer, right? <laughs> and he actually didn't even get the, rights, the words right at the, at the beginning too, right? But his love and his care, it was not only an incredible comfort to Natalie, right? She finished that song strong. It inspired the entire arena to join in. Imagine, imagine what might happen in this neighborhood, in this city, in this country, in this state, if we practice that kind of love. Maybe we would be less disconnected and more empathetic, less afraid of each other and more open-hearted. Maybe we'd have less depression and anxiety. Maybe we wouldn't overeat or overspend or over-medicate the way that we do. Maybe we'd laugh more and sleep better. Can you even imagine? Philos, friend love. It comes from God. It's modeled by Jesus. It moves through us if we would let it. The world needs more love like this. We need more love like this. Thank God for love like this. Let's pray. God, we thank you that as the song we sometimes say, sing uh, says, that you call us friend. But not only that you call us friend, but you call us to be friends. So I pray that as we continue to live into our lives that you've created and called us to live, to remember that a big part of that is the kind of friendship, Christian friendship marked by your love that can only happen when we come together and lean into a committed kind of relationship with those around us. Help us to, even in times when we sometimes get hurt, to model that kind of love, that kind of steadiness, that kind of gracious, hospitable standing with that you showed us time and again through your son Jesus. Help us to inspire one another to greater forms of love, that this world might know greater love, the kind of love that lays itself down for one another, and maybe that we might come to life in the midst of that love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.